Thunderbrunt. Bob. Hey, Bob. I want you to introduce yourselves and give me your Twitter handles, too. I am Jimmy George. I am a screenwriter and script consultant. My Twitter handle is at Jimmy R. George. My name is Craig Mazin. <laughs> he, he, always, he always says that. Also. Oh, just like he, that? No, he does a weird thing. Like, he goes, Craig Mason. Or he does it different every time. So, I, you know, I figured I could do it. Like, script um, podcast jokes. Yeah, that's a script <laughs> script notes podcast. So, that's, a, podcast. that's a throwback to another script answer, uh reference of another script. Anyway, uh, so... <laughs> All right. My name is Jamie Nash. Let's see. That's kind of what he would do. It yeah. works. There you go. He, every time he does something different, he's, he's a genius in podcasting. Um, so, I... <laughs> my name is Jamie Nash. I am a screenwriter and author of the book Nomad. Is that book on sale anywhere, Jamie? On sale now at Amazon.com. <laughs> Dude, is it as badass as you made it sound? Yeah, it sounds kind of like a romance or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds huh. sound a little bit sexy there. Yeah. Hot, steamy sex <laughs> in space. In space. <laughs> on Amazon. In space. Yeah. With aliens and, oh yeah, is it anyway, species? Yeah. yeah, Nomad is on sale. Please go buy it. Buy 100 copies for everyone you know at Christmas and leave a lot of reviews because oh, yeah. that's what I really need. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, and, I- and Twitter handle is Jamie underscore Nash. And I'm Bob Rose. I'm the CEO of Thundergrunt. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And uh, my Twitter handle is ThundergruntBob. Wow. Creative. Uh, it's shocking. <laughs> it's <dude>. shocking. <laughs> Who would think? <laughs> but uh, so today we're going to do a throwback episode. Yes. We're going mm-hmm. to talk about a movie that probably a lot of people will go, why even bother? Why talking about why it? Why talk about it? We're going to talk about Pulp Fiction. I think there's some instructive stuff. Here. Yeah, there is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, I believe, is an Academy Award winning screenplay. Yes. Yes. Right? Yes. And Jamie, could you tell us how successful was Pulp mm. Fiction? Pulp Fiction made... Worldwide, two hundred and thirteen million dollars in nineteen ninety four. In nineteen ninety four, and just to give that. it a feel, let's take a what look. What was the at budget of Pulp Fiction? Eight million dollars here. That's what okay. it says. Whoa, that's incredible. I mean, um, it's an go. indie movie, so yeah. yeah I mean. and it, it was one of those movies that showed that indie movies could be profitable. Like there could be a big business in indie movies. Um, if you if you look at nineteen ninety four, and we talked about it a couple weeks ago, Speed finished right in front of it at number eight. Making 121 million, so Pulp Fiction made just a little bit, you know, beneath yeah. speed. That's amazing! Wow. Speed. wow. Uh, right above Pulp Fiction is The Mask. It came in at number nine with 119 million. Um, right behind it, this is kind of amazing. Is Interview with a Vampire at 105 wow. million? Wow. Uh, so Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt. Yeah, that, movie then you don't hear 90s. much about it anymore. Yeah, but if, if you movie. look at all the movies in '94, they're all studio pictures except Pulp Fiction is the one indie. It's Forrest Gump, Lion King, True Lies, The Santa Claus, Flintstones, Dumb and Dumber, Clear and Present Danger, Speed, The Mask, Pulp Fiction. Okay, so Pulp finishes at number ten. It on cracked that list. the Hollywood's like 
yeah, tent and, poles and on look, an eight million dollar budget. Yeah. Looking at it, you have to go pretty far down the list before you find another independent film. Maybe four weddings and a funeral. Okay. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, and right after that, Natural Born Killers at okay. twenty five. Just a no Tarantino script. Another Tarantino right, script. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow, he was on fire that year. Then he was on fire. I mean, Shit. fuego. I mean, the influence. <laughs> I mean, we don't really talk about influence and stuff that much, yeah. but like the influence of Pulp Fiction. It's pretty far and yeah. wide, let's be it's, honest. It's yeah. one of those movies that everything changed after it yes. came out. There were so mm-hmm. many movies that had even the look or something, the music. There would be some mm-hmm. kind of influence, if Style. not if not the actual storylines, like Snatch yeah. or something like that. <laughs> right, know? right. No. Yeah. They kind of created this genre that did exist already, but like didn't yeah. exist in this way, I That's guess. That's right. Right. I don't know. I don't yeah, want to be like right. trying to make movie poster quotes here, but yeah. like uh, I was doing a lot of research. Uh, I told Jamie I was doing research last night of, just for this episode. Um, not so much about the movie, just about like surrounding stuff about the movie. Yeah. And yeah, some of the errata about it is is nuts about what how people look back on it, like right. you know, like how it did, like mm-hmm. kind of just blew people's minds. Like I yeah. was too young to remember. See, I I have a, ty- I, I yeah, remember the so. day I saw it. I I do remember. It was a very kind of, there was a whole bunch of reasons I remember the day I saw it. So the day I saw it, I played paintball with a friend of mine. <laughs> who, and I, I think I only played paintball like three times in my life, but I went to play paintball and that guy worked. Anyway, I got a job becoming a computer game programmer because of that paintball game. Cause my friend was an artist at a game company. And then I eventually got a job at the same company wow. based on that paintball. Like I was like, I'm a programmer. Oh, I think we're looking for programmers. <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of that. And then that night with another friend that went to play paintball, I was like, I want to see Pulp Fiction tonight. It was a Saturday. And I went and saw it that Saturday after it came out on Friday. And, uh, I remember sitting in the back of that movie theater and just being blown away by this movie. So mm-hmm. it's very memorable. I was at Westview Cinema. And yes. Um, I remember watching Holy it. God, I can remember man. the screening. Right. I can totally remember God, the screening. I missed that theater. I was not lucky enough to see it for the first time in a theater. For me, this was like a late night HBO yeah. What I you know like I I didn't see it in the theater either. I was, I was blown away. Yeah. But I was like, what is? I didn't know what it was. It, I, it felt like a late night movie with famous people. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I was yeah, like, why? Yeah. What is this? It's, yeah. it's unexplainable. <laughs> so I was in the. I was in this. I was a movie nerd at this time for sure. But I was into Sundance and Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew all about okay. Reservoir Dogs, and I kind of wanted to do this, but I was a computer programmer, so I wasn't going to do it. Um, but I still kind of paid attention to it, hoping one day and and looking at movies like Reservoir Dogs and saying maybe I could do that one day. Um, but the one thing I remember about Pulp Fiction. Not only did I love Reservoir Dogs, and that was a big thing, but David Letterman, who I was a huge fan of, talked about it like every night leading up to it, like as his favorite wow. movie. So Letterman was hyping it. Really? I love okay. Letterman. Yeah. I love Reservoir Dogs. So I was super excited to see it. That's and, uh, what I remember. That's yeah. I yeah. I was I don't. I was fourteen. I wasn't like a, cin- a cinephile fourteen year old. Right. Uh, I saw it on like VHS as a rental. Um, but on the DVD, do you have the DVD? I have a Blu-ray. The is the Roger Ebert, the Gene Siskel special on it. I'm pretty sure they it is. did. You know, they did the at the movies, yeah. and in the '90s, in the mid '90s, that was a huge show. Like you, sure, all, every that was week, kind of that was film criticism. That was film, yeah. right? That, yeah. They did a one hour that's special. Joel Siegel, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. and him too. <laughs> Sadly, now this is film criticism. This is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. They did a one hour special. 
just on Pulp Fiction when yeah. it came out. I mean, I mean that's saying something about how it was received in the film world for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with that, who wrote it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we all know. Okay, Quentin yeah. Tarantino, yeah. right? But there's another Quentin name Tarantino here. Quentin Tarantino gets, gets the screenplay credit, and then Roger Avery gets a story by credit. Story by credit, right? And uh, there's there's a whole history and mythology that goes into the the writing of this of uh, this particular script. There's a good book on it uh, by I can't remember Christine Vachon. I think it's called Killer Instinct, and okay. it's a book I read in the '90s like three times. Um, my f- here, here's a weird, here's a weird Jamie Nash aside. <laughs> I, I probably said this before, but my first manager who was also Gary Doberman, the, remember I talked about yeah. him, the guy who did it. So he was the assistant to this woman named Catherine James. Catherine James was Quentin Tarantino's first manager. And I think he fired her right on the eve of Pulp Fiction. Oh. Of release of Pulp Fiction? Yeah, yeah. Because he, oh. he had outgrown her. You know? Gotcha. And she was this kind of motherly type. She passed away a few years back. But she was this kind of motherly type that would let people like Quentin Tarantino live at her home. Like he lived there wow. during the Reservoir Dogs Day and wow. stuff like that. So she's, this is a total aside, but she's in that book a lot. Like a lot of that book is quoted. So I, part okay. of the reason I think I read that book was she was my manager. And I was like, oh, wow, she did all. And it was like fascinating to me. That's awesome. And in my early awesome. days of screenwriting, Adventures of a Teenage Dragon Slayer was she she was managing me when I had that script. And I remember she um, she <laughs> she would send my scripts to Quentin Tarantino's mother to give notes. <laughs> What? I, I, what? I would, I would get notes from Quentin Tarantino's mother. So is he the child of some cinema lovers? He's the child of a cinema lover who used to take him to all these grindhouse movies as a little kid, That's and she so used to go and see it. And she was a very sweet woman that would she would never really give me notes. She'd say, "This is great. It has a great voice." She'd give me some positive. That is so but weird. Yeah, I was not expecting that yeah, to be what you're going to say. It's the, relevant, Jamie. It's super relevant. All these weird stories that I never have a chance to tell anybody. So you know, I got to lay them down. No, for it's, it's our Tarantino somewhere. episode, yeah, basically. Yeah, so why not exactly. just yeah, yeah. So anyway, Quentin Tarantino's mother and me are tight now. By the time <laughs> I, he, he, she was my manager though, Catherine James. Uh, Quentin had long gone on and there was a little it wasn't bad blood because she was a sweet like motherly figure that I was always proud of Quentin but at the same time he kind of screwed her over and went with the big managers around yeah. the time of Pulp Fiction it made sense it's what happens in Hollywood and she yeah. gets it he gets it but I wonder if that was time, the influence of other people on him because he was probably having everybody in his ear yeah. like you gotta do this now so, you gotta do this so I'm not yeah. sure that she. I think Roger Avery may have lived at her house. I can't remember. There were a bunch of them. I know the guy who did my best friend's birthday, which was Quentin's first movie okay. that he's ever seen. Yeah, right. Um, I think she managed him when I was when I was with her. She managed him. But anyway, let's get to Roger Avery. Let's skip to the chase. Um, so Roger Avery gets a story by credit. Pulp Fiction actually started. I was telling Bob this, and there's a little bit of mythology. So some of this might be exactly right. Some, there might be more to the story. Pulp Fiction apparently started as like an anthology that they wanted to make, but for three directors, it was going to be Quentin was going to do the first story, Roger Avery the second, and Adam Rifkin was going to do the third story. Wow! But uh, I don't the, think the only guy I've talked to on the phone out of those yeah. three, <laughs> and, and I don't think he's a great guy. Dropping in the section. Oh no, he's <laughs> a great guy. He made a video for me once. I don't know any of these fucking people. Adam Rifkin. <laughs> we co-wrote a movie. No, <laughs> if Adam Rifkin ever listens to this and he won't. Thank you, because he didn't know who I was. I messaged him on Facebook 
to make a video for an event, and he totally did. That's awesome. That's awesome. He's a nice yeah. dude. That's really I'm a big awesome. fan of his. Go That's ahead. great. Sorry. Yeah. By the way, I heard it in another podcast. I'll give it a plug with Adam Rifkin recently. Um, Best Movies Never Made mm-hmm. as an Adam oh, it's Rifkin. Good. Yeah, it's a good podcast. And the Adam Rifkin episode is outstanding. So yeah. check it out yeah. if, you, if you get a chance. That's so um, big fan of Adam Rifkin. Uh, he, yeah. he, did, he talks about a Planet of the Apes movie he never got ah. to make. And, and, but he's just great to listen to. He's a yeah. fun guy. Um, so anyway, r- the, then the movie morphed, and uh, apparently Tarantino decided he wanted to do this nonlinear thing. By the way, Adam Rifkin, I don't think, was ever interested in Pulp Fiction. It was they somehow- They wanted him. They wanted him That's, or something. Okay. Um, it's really cool. Imagine yeah. that, <laughs> yeah. looking back on yeah. that now. It's... Yeah. And the nonlinear thing kind of came later. And then, like uh, Bob and I were talking earlier, it, it eventually got to the point where they went to Amsterdam, uh, <laughs> yeah. Tarantino, and uh, that's where yeah, Royale that's is. That's awesome. awesome. And yeah. Roger Avery. And they like laid out all these different projects they had had. They said that was the best scenes they've ever written. The best scenes they'd ever written. Just that, just scenes. Just scenes. Like from all their projects, their ideas, the best scenes they've ever written, they put it all on the floor. And, and they're I, like, how do we make this a movie? I That's think there awesome. were yeah. two scenes from a script called Open Road, which was Roger Avery's movie that became True Romance, that he also got mm-hmm. kind of screwed over. Okay. Right. Tarantino rewrote all that script, too. There were two scenes in Open Road that they took from that script. And the one scene was the watch and the whole boxing mm-hmm. scene, Pandemonium Reigns, it was called, or something like that. And... um the other scene was the big Kahuna Burger uh, shootout. Right. So those two specifically were um, Roger Avery elements. The genesis. Yeah, that the genesis of those were. And then Tarantino rewrote those and kind of massaged everything. And then around the time of the movie, when the movie came out, he kind of said, hey, I really want this to be my voice or whatever. And he basically forced... Um, Roger Avery off of the screenwriting credit into a story by credit. Mm. And if you read Killer Instinct, if that's true, it's kind of was a little, you know, the, it doesn't wow. paint a great picture. But in his defense, Roger Avery constantly says that T- Tarantino is a genius. Um, everything you see about him is exactly what it looks like. Um, and he doesn't totally throw him under the bus for, he kind of says, like, leaves it a little vague. Like he says, like, yeah. I don't know why I'm a story by either or something. You know, okay. he doesn't exactly he, say I why. I also, I read some stuff last night for yeah. the, in preparation um, where he actually said, like, people in an interview were questioning, like, this was your scene, right? Mm-hmm. And he'll be like, well, I wrote the concept, but he's like, Tarantino rewrote it. That's right. And he also directed it and edited it. You know, he was yeah. in charge right. of the final cut. By the time. So Avery totally was like, in that, in the interview I read, it was like, his voice is like, undeniable like i'm not sitting here yeah. saying like he came up with the concept for the watch or whatever but he like he didn't direct it yeah right you know he didn't he's not the filmmaker there so he yeah. acknowledges that i don't know that that's not bad blood i mean he, yeah. yeah well it was also like a 2015 interview yeah so it was like he's already been to prison <laughs> and back and everything yeah. there, yes. there, there is some yeah. there is some he other... went to prison for for vehicular manslaughter okay yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, if you yeah, didn't know that 2009 yeah I think. yeah uh, but th- there's some other not, yeah well, there, there's some right. other weird like he has kind of he kind of he doesn't really speak on this topic too much but he does say things like well, what did you learn about true romance or and he'd say he'd say something like well, I learned never to share my ideas with a friend because they might accidentally steal it in a future Jesus. thing because uh, I think the 
sleep with me speech the top gun thing like that was supposedly a roger avery thing that right. he used to do and and wrote down and tarantino took that and made it his monologue in that movie um again true there, romance um, uh a movie that i absolutely love rules of attraction I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. Yeah. yeah, Roger Avery directed that and wrote it. I do remember. And that. And there's a dig at Tarantino in that movie. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, yeah, that that's kind of when I think of Roger Avery, that's what I think about yeah, that movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I never think about this, and I I don't blame myself because it feels like he's been erased. Yeah, yeah. from yeah. this from memory, this process from the memory of this. Yeah. So, but he shouldn't have been. No, not at no, all. No, no. So he anyway, been. we're giving him some time because this is a screenplay podcast, and also one other thing that's instructive is this was probably non WGA. Again, we've talked. He about He also it. won an Oscar. Yeah. For this, like, yes. like that's why he deserves some. He can't. Yeah, you got to talk about. Yeah, it. he won an Oscar for yeah. screenwriting. Right. Yeah. And and it's this is a non WGA project. They probably so they allow you to say you did story by you right. didn't. Um, and you and run they, into that. That's like it. Mm. It happens in non WGA. You can have somebody kind of force you off just because they want to be on it. They want the credit. Once you get in the WGA, it's almost impossible. I wouldn't say it's impossible. There are some stories about that. Once you get in the WGA, it's more fair. You hand in your drafts. An arbiter will come in and pick who gets what and things like that. So you think it's very possible you're posing. It's very possible he could have had a lot more to do with the the stuff we see on screen. And then it was just because the WGA wasn't there to judge that's right story by that's right because now it just becomes a he said you know she said mm -hmm. kind of argument or even just so it, it becomes a negotiation essentially. A negotiation? it's a, just yeah. a negotiation and yeah. my guess maybe he got money for it maybe they yeah. said we'll give you two million dollars if you get a story by me i don't know i don't know what happens something happened yeah mm -hmm. so that's it for the back but yeah good backstory I, no it's a good backstory <laughs> and you know don't erase him from the conversation no when it comes to like, especially Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, like yeah. those are the two. I, I yeah. highly, and if this interests you, I highly recommend that book, Killer Instinct. Killer it's, Instinct. It's a really good book. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk about structure. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> that's the big <laughs> one of talking about Pulp Fiction, right? So this is the one I always go back to. So I read a lot. I get sent a lot of nonlinear amateur scripts. And but Tarantino does it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes, but Tarantino does it. Um, and the thing is, the I go back to Pulp Fiction as like the you know it's on a pedestal because it doesn't work without the nonlinear. Like the not, and we can go into this. It works because it's out of order. And if you put it in order, it's not as good. And, it's still pretty good, and but it's not I, as good. Yeah, yeah. I think what's instructive about this understanding why it works so well um, is that just because you want something to be out of order doesn't mean it should be out of order, right? If it's just a gimmick, then what's the point? And people will notice that it's just a gimmick. Like, Memento is a better movie out of order, right? If you put it in order, it's not interesting. Oddly right? enough, True Romance was a, was a script that was out of order, much like Pulp Fiction, that Tony Scott put back in order. Wow. And later on, Tarantino admitted it's a better movie for it. Because it's in order. Because it's in because order. Because they were trying to do a gimmick. Mm -hmm. Instead of this, which is they must have realized, oh, it's more emotionally resonant if we do it this way. Right. So... I just think if you're out there and you're like excited, like I'll give you an example. I just did a, a three episode series um, and 
it was like a mini series um and everything was confusing from start to finish there was no lack of orientation and it wasn't because they were telling some lynchian like anti-plot weird to be weird it was because they told episode three first then they told episode one then they told episode two and literally when i got to episode one like which was technically episode three i was like oh i understand everything now and all the problems that i had with the other two scripts were that this information was missing and it just made it a muddled confusing mess and it, the the reality was that it would have worked better if it we, it we experienced linear. it linear yeah so um i mean i think that it's like a a a gimmick that just wants to get depth out of something that's out not, of something that's it's not it's unnecessary. Okay, right, it's always yeah, okay. it what's necessary. Necessary. I think the nonlinear function of this is it's necessary. Right. Yeah. Right. And I, I, it's, it's interesting because this was a movie that once this happened, everybody started to do it uh, as at least in screenplay world. I mean, you see it in movies, television does it all the time yeah. now, like breaking bad lost was an excellent oh, yeah. example. And I think, what it does well, like, and, and what this movie does well with the nonlinear, is it allows you to start scenes way late, so you have momentum. So that it makes the audience very uh, participant in watching because mm-hmm. you're guessing who are these guys? Why are they talking about Royale with cheese? What is? Where are they going? They seem like crooks, but you're you're learning on the fly, and you get to do that like a bunch of different times, yeah, over and over. And then later, what it does is it allows you to also think, wait, I saw that scene where. They were there, but this must happen before. So you start playing that game too. Yep. So you're connecting as an audience member. You're you have this third dimension of thinking going on, yep. where you're trying to figure out who they were, which is kind of a normal thing. You're trying to think how they're going to get to the place you already saw, and there's a bunch of things and, and that, how it actually happens and how it actually happens. Yeah, and that can be a lot of fun as a as a, as a person watching a movie, it works a lot better, I think, in this anthology style thing. Absolutely. Than if you're trying to tell a true romance story. I think if you did it with true romance, it would just kind of get a little frustrating and like, why are they doing this? Just tell me the story. Yeah. Um, I think on the commentary, on the (laughs) Blu-ray, Quentin Tarantino says, it's the right choice. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and Quentin definitely has snuck it in other movies of his, but he more does it as just like a flash forward. It's really quick. Yeah. It's it's a little bit more like what Breaking Bad would do. Yeah. all of a sudden we right. see yeah. Walt in the diner with a machine gun. Why is he there? You know, and then yeah. oh flashback. Right. Pull right, back. Right. And I think he I think Tarantino's more done used it in that way lately. Yeah. Um but, this, but yeah, yeah, in this movie it was the it was a full on approach. But I think it works a lot better because it's the anthology. Yeah, I know? think that's the the key. They each one of the well the it, it's like you talk about the breakfast scene a lot, Jamie does. Mm-hmm. It's the opposite, the polar exactly. opposite. Right. It, it skips the breakfast we scene. We never have they're, breakfast they're, scenes. Uh, no, the, yeah. t- actually, the, the irony is there's tons of breakfast That's scenes. True. In this that movie. true. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> but the, yeah. bre- the breakfast scenes are not where we're meeting the characters. They're after we've been with the characters. Right. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of diners in there's breakfast. Di- well, um, I think that's just kind of signifier of who he writes those. He loves characters indulging the in food. The best breakfast food. scenes ever in the Characters studio. indulging in like vices is his deal. Yeah. So it's, yeah. It's a little oh, this this movie is one of those movies. Mementos use this way a lot too where people will say, "Hey, uh, you know, do third act structure." And they'll be like, well, "What about pulp fiction?" And I think the way to view pulp fiction, you have to view it as different several different stories, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I I it depends on how you skin it. But in my view, there's three stories in this movie. Um, I think there was an early script that had a 
table of contents and it said three stories about one story. Yes. Uh, yeah. That right. was a tagline they used too. Yeah, and and so I I anyway I I think there's like three stories. There's Jules' story. Yeah. There's uh the watch story, the boxing story, right? And then there's maybe the Maya story. Butch, the Butch story. Butch story. Vincent Vega story. Vincent Vega, which is Maya kind of kind and, of and Jules together. Story. Yeah, yeah. They're they're the three I think of kind of. Um, whether or not it's that, yeah, you know, yeah, of, it's a little, it's a little muddy. Whether Jules has yeah. his own and Maya or who, yeah, right, right, yeah. Um, but anyway, I th- so I think it's three. It's three about one, and I think if you view each of those stories, they probably have something like a three act structure. They do. I you agree. Kind of look beginning, middle, end. They have inciting um, incidents. They have mid three normal movies. They have, they have one weird. That's movie. what it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Each of those have. They they all have your your very. You know, it's a very non-traditional, non-classical story, but each of those stories have very traditional stories. They have characters with goals, stakes, obstacles, urgency. You're yeah. like standard recipe for a good and, movie. And this is what I always say, like when people do throw Pulp Fiction, like, well, that's not three-act structure. Well, you know, it'd be like looking at Creep Show and saying, well, Creep Show's not three-act structure. <laughs> right. you know, well, no, it's obviously, you know, four yeah. different stories and four different movies and that's the way i think it's an anthology with great transitions yeah is the rat is the is the diner the wraparound i think so i think that's the yes no if i I had to say well yeah i think it's a bookend we talked about bookends. i think it's a even i remember in the in the title page and i couldn't find this one online it's probably out there somewhere but he called it the prologue and the epilogue he 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 actually listed a table of contents for you know he was just whatever that's Strikes awesome fancy right yeah. um so he listed but he called it yeah prologue epilogue and then the other stories were within so then you have five chapters gotcha within it. you had earlier I, I was trying to get you to save it for this episode okay you had talked about what uh the first diner scene kind of had that same effect that a horror movie mm-hmm. uh, in the hands of a madman scene yeah, had. yeah 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 oh wow yeah. yeah well i <laughs> I found this movie. I remember people used to ask me, like, um, like I, I'd say I like comedy and I liked horror and I liked horror comedy. And I used to point to this movie as being my favorite horror comedy because <laughs> it, it honestly does all the things that I like from horror comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, in the beginning, it starts off with the scene in the diner. And it doesn't really plant this bomb into the table, but it gives you this weird dialogue you've never seen and you don't know what's going to happen. And when she gets up with the gun and says, I'm going to execute every motherfucking one of you. And it's like, <laughs> and then it just cuts to the music. It's yeah. like, what the hell yeah. am I watching? Right, you know, right. I, yeah. this guy is not the same guy. So my 1994 brain was just, it just came from paintball. I had the paintball work. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is this? You know, yeah. I, it was like being at a rock concert or something. I did not, you know, it was just yeah. totally amazing. Like I was just Ozzy biting um, off the it's head. Like, bat, it's like it's different head. in a way that you want to know more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? I remember yeah. that, like, because as a kid, I was, I was not who I am yeah. now. And if a movie even like remotely stepped out of line, like not being Back to the Future, I was like, right. <laughs> but this movie, which is not that, I was no. like, oh, I need. Give me the next scene. Yes. I need more. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I was enthralled. And it, it yeah. cuts out right when it's about to get interesting. It like, boom, it right. cuts yeah. out. And then it shows up with some completely different thing. Creates things, so you know. much suspense and for you're a, like, a coming conclusion of that. You're like, like what, two was, hours. what was that thing? And how is this? And so all those things are going through your head. And then you just jump into the next next dialogue scene. But I really didn't know what he was willing to do. I mean, in later scenes, it shows us too. When the when the gun goes off and shoots the guy in the face, 
By the way, that's the scene also, I think, that was stolen from, uh, was quote unquote, not stolen, stolen borrowed from Bar- the true romance. Oh, true romance. Yeah, true. I think okay. that was a true romance. <laughs> so uh, shooting the guy in the face, like, I had never seen anything, you know, quite that crazy and oh my just gosh. immediate. Also, um, one of the funniest moments in film history. Yeah, and played with <laughs> such. But, but yeah, yeah, the nonchalant nature of yeah, that yeah. moment. I've never. I don't think I as a kid I ever saw anything the like the criminal it. mundane. Yeah, yeah. Right. The the gimp scene. You know, it's just like what the hell is going on in this movie? You know, it's like it came out of nowhere. It was kind of disturbing, but also I actually kind of, read a thing where Roger Avery was talking about the gimp scene literally intentionally coming out of nowhere. Yeah, like they so, didn't want to like so bizarre. I kind of wrote in the thing the Chekhov's gun thing. Yeah, like there's no. It's like it's just this left no, ball, this curveball that these characters now have to deal with. But it does serve a function. So absolutely, it does. absolutely yeah. does. But it's it's weird. I didn't get to like do but, a deep dive in it. But, but Zed's not like established. There's no. There's nothing established. No, we're not w- waiting for them to like. Oh shit, he's about to go into that shop. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, <laughs> nothing. It's just it is that. Yeah. yeah. But the the whole movie, I felt like anything could possibly happen, and we were jumping around time, so I didn't know where we were going to go. Yeah. They could introduce new characters. I wouldn't know. You know. In the whole movie, I just felt like I was in the hands of a madman. And that's why I think it's like my favorite horror comedy in some ways, because it feels like this madman's just going to make you laugh and then he's going to surprise you yeah. and kind of make you tense and scared. They're all in danger, all but you things. don't know what. Yeah, from. and the characters, yeah. like especially Jules, he's mm-hmm. kind of like your best friend and your worst enemy every moment of yeah. every day. Yeah. Completely unpredictable. Yeah, like it's just you're on the edge. You're <laughs> on. A, What's he gonna you're do? living on the, you know, a blade. It's that's like, what we're yeah. We're going to be. We're going right. to be cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. I mean, and it's not, it's on the page too. It's, but Absolutely. I mean, of course, it's Sam Jackson, but yeah. There's an unease to Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, more so scene. than all of Tarantino's movies. Like, this I think movie so. It's probably uneasy. Yeah. I think that's the world too. The the criminal world that, that he created. Like, we're in a part where we're just entrenched in this world. Right. Yeah. Like, it's not reality. No. And it's, it's obvious it's it isn't. It's its own so. criminal world's right. reality, definitely. I, I think the instructive thing is if you can be as. Like if you're making something extremely violent, if you can come up with this great thing early on to just dump in there that makes shock people, then they'll think you can go back to anything like that again. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like um, I always think of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like when they chainsawed the guy in the wheelchair. I'm like, holy crap! Yeah, oh you chainsaw God. a guy in a wheelchair, wheelchair, they can do anything. You know, right, they yeah. can do anything in this movie. I I don't know what's gonna happen. You know, but even with that, like. And when this came out, it was not just the chainsaw a guy in a wheelchair. It was like, oh, you can do this with a movie. Yeah. Yes. If you can do this with a movie, then all bets are off. Yeah. Hey, right. <laughs> right. No, it's like no, you're well, right. it's not just like, oh, they killed a kid. Yeah. <laughs> they killed a yeah. kid backwards. Yeah. You know? Holy shit. <laughs> like, yeah. How do they? And do they it? keep doing it. They keep doing it, and I have oh no clue God. when this kid's actually going to be yeah. dead. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I, I, I think going back, because I had never dug into the structure, and I didn't dig into the individual inciting incidents and midpoints, but they do have them. They all have a three-act structure within them, the, the anthology segments. But I think why it needs to be this in this order is that we get to learn the lesson through Butch. I mean, this is kind of like bouncing between bouncing forward to theme. But I think we can talk about the structure and the sure. theme together. No, let's talk about the theme. Um, yeah. I think Butch is where we learn the lesson, even though Butch isn't defined as a criminal. Mm-hmm. I think it's like, is yeah. it like... He's going, he's he's about to cheat and, and something that you know, he's trained to do or is something. It, is, so it, is it that he's done this before for 
Marcellus I think Butch Butch is thrown other it's, fights. Butch is a redemption arc. Yeah. So he has uh, to have thrown other like, fights. It's, like he, it's all morality. Yeah. Right. Well, he's he might have also he threw other fights, but I also always got the sense that Butch was also a criminal, like yeah. of the, just the general variety until he became a yeah. boxer. So he's yeah. done bad stuff. And I yeah, yeah. okay. And this so is him I just leaving to make that sure life. I wasn't projecting that to try to no, for I'm, my no. thesis. I, I went, oh, I'm making this shit up. Mm-hmm. Um, Butch is not a good guy. Yeah. He's, he's not a, a good he, guy. He's so a criminal. It's safe to say he's a criminal as much as he's a slave to Marcellus Wallace. Just like he's probably done bad things and served. He's, he's probably beat people up for Marcellus Wallace. He's probably killed people for money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't doubt okay, it. Okay. So I'm not. We don't I have was any information. I was putting that there where it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. I, we don't have that information, but I think it's safe to say he has. In the in the graphic novels, yeah, right, In the other canon, um, the uh, I was like, is it in Killer we're Instinct? Watching, <laughs> we're watching the story of a guy deciding to forsake his, crim- his exactly. crime. Exactly, that's, that's what, what we're this watching. Movie's about, yeah. And that, and, and he I said think, he's giving the Godfather the finger, right? That's he what decides. He's yeah, I am going to because I, I I didn't uh, I think I didn't realize that's what this was about, but I I think this is about uh, imprisonment. And I think the criminal life that these people are in is their prison and that they're they're seeking freedom from the prison. And like and I think what this movie is saying, and I think it's the Butch story that we need to see the Butch story, which is chronologically out of order before we see Jules like choose the right path, Um, because he decides he's going to do the right thing twice. He's he's not going to he's not going to throw the fight. And that's gonna get him out of this imprisonment from his like, from from the warden, you know, Marcellus Wallace. Yeah. And then, in his efforts to escape, he gets imprisoned again with Marcellus Wallace. They're imprisoned together, and he escapes again. And he decides, no, I've got to be selfless. You know, it's, that's pride will fucking with you. I got to be selfless. And he makes the moral choice to go back and save Marcellus Wallace, and that gains him his freedom. Right. Right. And that. I didn't realize that's what this is about, and I think that that's what it's about. I would say I totally agree with you that that's what Butch's story is about. Okay. Let me throw this out there, just as an idea, how I've read this movie for years. And you got a wallet that says Bad Motherfucker. <laughs> Which is super geeky. I know. It's, by the, by it's the way, relevant. though. It's no, relevant. He had that before the movie. He was a little kid. <laughs> yeah, I, oh, yeah, yeah. I was the bad motherfucker. And then Sam Jackson stole that shit from me. I was the Roger Avery of wallets. And then... <laughs> Tarantino I'm sorry, did, did I embarrass you, Bob? <laughs> it's fine. I do have one. It's so beat up now, you can barely read I the bad motherfucker. He, he also has the same car from Kill Bill. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. What was I saying? Oh, oh theme. I... Uh, over, so how I've always read this as this movie, as far as theme goes, there's always a bigger fish. Mm. Is that weird? I, I like I f- it. I feel like uh, the one thing Pulp Fiction always read to me is like this caste system of criminals. Hey, there's a power placement. The power system, placement absolutely. and the res- and respect. I mean, respect. Obviously, there. there's a whole respect storyline with, with Jules Wolf too. and the Wolf and, and Marcellus Wallace. And with, you know, Uma Thurman, it's like there's like the whole thing is about respect and respecting the people, the, the and respecting the bigger fish above you. Like the, throughout, you know, every every character fits into a slot yeah. on that ladder. Yeah. And it, I don't know. That always seems like in, like if you don't res- if you take away the respect, you're going to get in trouble. So like we're all we're all going to if you respect the system or you die, you know, Butch, I, I, but I know Butch kind of subverts that a little bit, but. Yeah. I I kind of 
See my take. Uh, my take on the yeah, on the it. thing is think it right. No, it's it's not an easy one to peg. Yeah. It's not. I I don't really think this is a deep movie. I think it's ah. more trying to be clever and fun, and it has its theme because it has like a kind of these characters have codes. I also don't think Tarantino is big on theme most of the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that's what his movies that's are why about. I saw it and I was like, yeah. am I put putting this on there? No, I think I would more go along with yours, but maybe I just don't understand yours totally yet because I I always peg the. The jewel speech as the theme. Which somewhere which in there. Yeah. Which one? Wait, 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 which one? Well, the, Ezekiel. The, well, not only there's like th- oh oh you mean the you mean the Bible not only verse. The, the path of the righteous not yeah. only the, the morally exe- right his, his interpretation of it I think he he says something um I have sort of notes maybe I'm the righteous man tyranny of evil man etc but I'm trying really hard to be the shepherd like yeah. that's always like me pegging. That sounds thematic. That is like, like so, a yeah. statement of theme, though. He's it trying like to mark. choose more the right way, and morally. Think, and that's what Butch is trying to and do. And that's Butch, what Butch, Butch does. is trying to get out of it on his own way. He tries it in a weird way. But here's the thing with Butch. The reason he survives, in my opinion, is because he turns back and goes back and helps Marcel. Yeah, that's I why. agree. So he chooses the That's, that's also why Jules survives. That. That's why and Jules I, survives. And, I and that's why Vincent Vega dies. dies. Because right. he doesn't. Because so, so, he, you know, Vincent, he's completely dedicated to the life. Yeah, it's, he, he doesn't question. learn the lesson. No, it, and that's why I think there is a lesson. And I, I don't know if uh, Honey and Honey Bunny and uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, what I don't know. Uh, pumpkin. Pumpkin. Yeah. I, I think maybe they're on the path to thinking in that yeah. way. Like that's that's kind of the thing. Yeah. So to there's me, there's doubt. Yeah, there's doubt. There, they uh, could or could. They have a whole nother movie that's probably Jules, true yeah. romance. Jules is like know? he's like the catalyst the, for them. Their doubt. Right. Yeah. The shepherd. Yeah, so, the shepherd, right? Mm-hmm. He's shepherding them across so, the yeah. ferry of crime. I, right, yeah. I don't think it's a really deep theme or anything. It's just kind of this heroic. You, it's almost like to me, it's like it's never too late to be the good guy. Like no matter how bad yeah, you are, that's... In, in a world of crooks, if you make the decision today to try to be a good guy, you can be a good guy, yeah. and you'll live. Good versus that, evil. That's kind of always been my takeaway. But again, I don't think it's crazy. I don't. Deep. I think that's that. Perfect. I think that's an, a great analysis. I doubt. That it was intended. Does that make sense? <laughs> I think this is very intentional. I think. You, I think. You think it is? Maybe not exactly what and all, all three all of, of us are saying, are saying. Yeah. But I. I it, think maybe he approaches it I a different the, way. Yeah. You know? Exactly. He he'll say he'll frame it a different way, He's but echoing. saying the same thing. Yeah. We're all kind of saying the same thing in a different way. But like, I think that's why it works best in this order because I think you need to see Butch choose the right to do right to go back and save Marcellus and to see that he's free now yeah. because he chose right and then now that creates an expectation is Jules going to do the same thing right. is he going to choose that same thing because we know that if he does then he's going to be free right. Yeah. right i i would say i well i agree with you that it has to be told in this order i think you could rewrite it so it was in this order and and non nonlinear you know, oh. Tarantino would have to, or I'm sorry, Travolta would have to survive. But otherwise, you're you saying could, you change pieces of it I'm not and saying, make it linear. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, right. Because if you I let me make Paul, let me make Paul Fiction better. Was, that, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, exactly. You, <laughs> no, I, but my, my my point being my point being that I think the non-linear thing is just a cool thing to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But you know it's but he could very easily just change a couple details and it could have been linear and told the same story gotcha. that's all i'm saying gotcha. i i love the non-linear stuff don't get me yeah. wrong and it blew think, me away i think the yeah it wouldn't be as revolutionary it wouldn't well at least that part it wouldn't of it, wouldn't. it wouldn't explode yeah. on the i don't scene think like it, it would have been as no. resonant though because no. i think butch would have been framed as the main character and i don't think i think jules is our is our 
protagonist and he's the one we watch go through the biggest change. See, well, what I'm saying is you could tell the exact same movie, but edit a few details. Oh. So it's just, I'm not saying to rearrange it. Oh. That's what I'm saying. You're saying you could tweak some, tweak some details yeah, and so then it's it works just probably, as well. Like The only thing I can really think of that would stop it was Travolta dying a little bit. And you'd yeah. still that scene's f- really good, though. I love that scene. I love that scene. So that, that's the one thing you lose. Yeah. Um, I think. Anyway, I mean, I'm, not, Jamie, I'm not proposing. I have I never no thought doubt of, you could make it work. Yeah, I've, I've never, I've never thought well, of this before. Some, but some, just when you brought it up, yeah. I was like, I can figure out a way that you could do it. Yeah. Not here, you know. I just it, um, devil's advocate. You yeah, gotta have yeah. these devil's advocate no, arguments. It's yeah, fine. it's just fun. It was funny to see. <laughs> yeah. um, Rewrite Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yeah. It's it. It's kind of funny though to think of uh, where where it really starts. You think of it as this crazy nonlinear thing, but if you Re- unfold the movie linearly it's like it starts with the watch i think it goes to the two guys driving the car um it, it, you're anyway. saying if you reverse it into chronological order yeah i'm, yeah. Try- I'm trying surprised that's not last. on youtube like, four days <laughs> i'm sure it's it is. a four yeah, days sure it, it takes place over the course of four days right, right yeah. and the jules thing would happen like at like 60 percent jules's moment of yeah. At Jules's moment yeah. of of you know choosing the righteous path and and choosing well, morality it, and his arc would happen and you know then what, there would be forty percent right. more movies. You know, right, right. You know what it would make it really strange because I think it goes from the big Kahuna burger to the Bonnie situation. Yeah, and that would be like this weird diversion. Yeah. Like we're just starting to what? get now we're in this thing where they shot a guy yeah. in the back and yeah. You know, so it it does it just doesn't it's, really yeah. add up that much. What's the best way I can phrase phrase this? The uh, it's nice one. It's written out of order on purpose so that the audience awareness of what's going on is still is relevant. Yeah. You can't just take it. There's a reason. I mean, it's obvious. You can't just. It hides all the surprises properly in the structure it has. Like you can't just take a script and jumble it up. Yeah. What you're saying earlier about your clients. Which is what I see all the time. Well, I finished the script. All the time. Now I'll take this page and put it here. Let me take Z and put it on F and put F and Z and like just because it's cool. Because of what not. Yeah, you gotta set up setups and payoffs still exist in this structure of Pulp Fiction. They are created out of right. putting but it out you, of but, order, right? Yeah. If you put it in order, what Jamie's saying is like it, it, it's fine. It would work, <laughs> but it wouldn't be like captive because you're like, yeah. well, we already know what's yeah. gonna. Yeah, yeah, it just wouldn't work. Yeah, There'd be I mean, no joke of them walking in with funny clothes. That would yeah, just be right. Funny. That well, I guess it still right. would be funny. You cut to them with funny clothes, but I don't know. No, it, but that's it. Keeps you on the edge. You're why trying are to they why? funny clothes? Why are they wearing those clothes? What's the deal? It turns a hacky joke into like a genius joke. Yeah. That's what it does. It's like <laughs> this out of order thing. Yeah. But my favorite thing about that last scene is so when it suddenly takes Bunny and Pumpkin in that last scene. When we see Jules and um, Vincent and we see them in the clothes, we are like, oh, shit, like they survived this scene. We know they make it out of the scene because we've seen them at night after that. Like, OK, right. so what's going to happen now if they survive? It suddenly changes your rooting influence to Bunny and Pumpkin, which it wasn't for Bunny and Pumpkin in the beginning. They're kind of portrayed as like antagonistic and suddenly they become like protagonists just, just because of we the know way they'll survive just because and we then, know yeah. that Jules and and Vincent survive. We're like, oh shit, are they going to kill him? And then suddenly you're, since you've seen Butch make the the choice to walk, to choose the moral right and walk away free, you're like, is Jules going to kill them? Right, right, right. Or is he somehow going to 
choose to not kill them and also find a way for them not to kill anyone else. Right. And they don't kill anybody on in that scene, right? They all walk away not actually ever harming anybody, right? I mean, they right. they shoved the manager's right. face yeah. on the day. You get out of the back! Outside, yeah, outside <laughs> of the manager, though, everyone... Everyone survives that yeah. scene. Everyone and that's the, the one... It, that's probably the one, like... Uh, anthology segment mm-hmm. other than the teaser at the beginning where people I guess the diner framing device is one thing mm-hmm. the diner one is the only one where people survive right well mm-hmm. Mia survives yeah nobody gets say, killed in Mia's Mia's also uh, to go with the theme that you guys are talking about mm-hmm. Mia's not a criminal right she's not part of the theme right she is an innocent that yeah. is by her own choice swept up in the theme but I don't yeah. think she like does yeah. anything to contribute good to this call. world mm-hmm. yeah right so her death, so weirdly, Vincent saving her. Yeah, it doesn't count. You would think Vincent saving her would make him go like divine intervention. Well, like. what I was saying about the cast, <laughs> the the whole like cast system, bigger fish thing, is that Vincent saving her is a hollow gesture because he's not saving her to save yeah, her. Yeah, he, he's, he's saving her, her yeah. for save himself. himself. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Which right, is the right. opposite of what Jules has ended up trying to argue with the what right. you said. Yeah, I'm yeah. trying to be the shepherd. Mm-hmm. I'm trying. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's a hard theme for Pulp Fiction. Yeah. I, uh, it's a hard I, one. I didn't think there was. I was on your end. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. like, this movie's not deep. Yeah, yeah. And then I like started looking into it and try to see why the structure needs to be I mean, be it's also way. called Pulp Fiction. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, that saying? Right. But I don't know. I think there is. I think, I, I think it's saying you I, choose. Yeah. I agree. I think there's a theme there. I think his instincts, Tarantino and Avery's instincts are kind of going towards some theme. You know, yeah. I, I think that's just the nature of it. Yeah. You start connecting. Dots. I mean, they call it the path of the righteous. It, I mean, and like, that's what they're trying to get him. That, to do. I actually really like that. I never thought about that. Yeah. The path of the righteous. The pa- and he chooses yeah. the path of the righteous. Butch is the end. path of the righteous. Jules, Jules is. is. And Vincent is like, fuck this. There's no. Righteous no, that, path, no. and he and he he chooses the wrong way, and he, he dies. dies. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm, it's there. If if I had to be satisfied with a theme, I like that better than mine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mine I mean, was I, more dark. I don't know. Mine was more dark. So I like that. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I so. keep. I always question: Am I projecting this onto it, no, I, or did I? Find I think it? with this, yeah. uh, especially yeah. with his speech in the end. Yeah. Like what, again, I'm Mike trying. saying his speech. I know he gives a lot of speeches, <laughs> but that try, it just seems like. A no, he said thing. the theme pretty yeah. much. Yeah. I mean, he puts it. They they make it a point in the script. He puts his gun down on the table. It's also like you know, it's a speech that he gives while murdering people. Yeah, and then it's a speech that is the statement of the theme yeah. too. It's like later on. That's that rule of three. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 rules. We of haven't three. really talked about rule of three. Jamie, do you have like a definition for rule of yeah, three? You, do you use can, it? Can you help us I, understand? I what use that it is? all the time, but I use it all the time too. Yeah, I do know that I have a definition. Me of neither. <laughs> Well, I, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. It's like the first one establishes, the second one sets the rule. Like mm-hmm. the first one introduces it's the pattern, second, and then the third one usually takes it to it's some a different place or reverses right. it or goes to the extreme or something like that. It's a very easy way to joke. tell a it's small. Jokes. It's, it's jokes. jokes. Introduce, establish, punchline. Yep. That's right. But yeah. you also, it's a very easy go. way to yeah. handle subplots. Yeah. It's a very, it's a very easy, instructive, and and like we as people. We just experience things beginning, middle, ending. It's like a natural way we experience stuff. So, like, you can do it with jokes. This one does it with dialogue. It does it with uh, the uncomfortable silence rule of three. The first one, she says to him, um, you know, that's how you know when you're close with somebody is uh, when you can sit around and have an uncomfortable silence with them. Mm -hmm. So that establishes it. And what's the second? What's the uh, what is what does the second one do? So the second one, they're in the house well, and he, and and they're silent together. They're dancing. They just got home, and he was like, 
was that an uncomfortable silence? And she says, <laughs> right, I right. don't know, music, drinks. Right. And then the third one is after he brings her back to life. They're sitting in the car together, and she's got blood all over her face. She just came back to life, and they're just sitting in silence as they it's drive. It's three. This yeah. is the rule of three. So that's, yeah. they do it. It's like. I, I was doing a log line yesterday, and it kind of it was a jokey log line. Like, and then after this happens, this happens, and then this happens. And it was driving me crazy because I only had two of them. Oh, and I needed a, like third. a third. And I, I spent like so much time, like I had to f- kind of force feed a third <laughs> into it because I was like, I can't do it with two. It doesn't, it doesn't work with two. Yeah. Darren Aronofsky conceptualized it so well and i was looking for for that quote and i couldn't find it he 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 uses rule of threes a lot in his movies and he's saying that he believes that audience um experiences things more deeply when you repeat Mm -hmm. and repetition is the key to emotional like connection right and so i mean we are creatures of habit and and uh yeah i was trying to say how does that define it because i think which is you, interesting in a movie that has so many turns. Yeah, <laughs> if you think about but it too. I was trying to. De- <laughs> really, yeah, you know exactly. I mean? So many surprises. They still, yeah. they still so, go back to this repetition. So much esta- repetition. Yeah. And the Jules line is the repetition too. They tell us that line. We get to see that line three times. Right. The first one is establishing it. The second one is when he sees the miracle, and he is forced to. That's like the catalyst for him reexamining his fucking life mm-hmm. and the speech. And then the third one is when he says it, and he's, he explains like, "I'm trying." Trying not to do. I'm that trying not anymore. to do it anymore. Yeah. I've so learned it's a, from it's a rule the of three. Book. It's definitely intentional. It's in the construction. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a good. It's a good thing. Yeah. It's it, easy. Can, do you think a log line for this movie could be written? I don't think so, Jamie. Yeah, I, I think because of the anthology nature, the problem is there's no there's no one through line. There's a bunch of different. There's no lines. main character either. So, so I think it it ends up. You'd have to do something along the lines, just describing the structure almost. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Like, um, the lives of criminals intermingle <laughs> as they yeah. blah, 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 blah. So it's, blah. it's like yeah. a, it's a VHS cover at that point. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So it, it can't be done. I think almost the, the tagline kind of, it, 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 the tagline that three stories to tell one story. Yeah. It's like you, you just add the characters in there. Like four stories of, vi- it's like a, a riddle. Four stories of violence and crime. Tell one story of two hitmen and a boxer and a mob boss and his wife. <laughs> <Right>. Like <laughs> it's not very good. It's, it's, not... it's not very good. Yeah. In, in addition to anthologies, like one of the influences I feel, and I know he has a bunch of specific influences, but I was a big like around this time, I was a big Robert Altman guy. You yeah. know, Nashville and think not Popeye necessarily. Uh, it does. <laughs> I, mean, not, I love Popeye, but it's not. So like, do I. Um, but there they were these kind of stories about different people that flash from scene to scene to scene. And I feel that in Pulp Fiction as well. I mean, like Magnolia was a modern day version of that. Like it would yeah. just jump back and forth from scene to scene. But Pulp Fiction's kind of like that, but it's hidden a little bit more because of this non-narrative. It's more stylish. It's more puzzled. stylish. Yeah. Yeah. But, but still, I think it, it it's like that. And those movies would be hard to write a logline for because it's mm-hmm. stories about several people that are all surrounded by an incident or a theme or something yeah. like and that. And they're not trying to overcome a, a specific antagonism a yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah it would be really difficult yeah the stakes are <laughs> emotional and small and intimate yeah would I mean, you guys consider you know the three types of plots or whatever that what do we talk about what do you call those uh arc plot mini oh. plot anti-plot which one is this well it, the, it's, um, it's arc plot 
scrambled. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I think too. But yeah. it also kind of works with mini plots, it doesn't it? It kind of does. It kind of does because if you view it all together, it's kind of a mini plot. That's, that's what, it. The, the, there it is. The Altman stuff is mini plot, right? Right. For sure. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I think you scram the the order that it occurs is mini plot, but. The actual stories <laughs> unfolding are arc right. plot. But, but yeah. There's probably some truth to that, even in Altman and stuff yeah. like that as well. But yeah. it's it's about more than one protagonist, it feels yeah. like. So that that kind of yeah. so it kind of has to be that, right? Yeah. 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 Now, exactly. No, yeah. Nonlinearness can sometimes lend itself to other things too. Like yeah. uh, anyway, it's uh, I think I think it's kind of on the spectrum of yeah. mini and arc. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good question. Really I, that's why question. I added it in there because yeah. I was like, okay, well, what is it? I, yeah. don't, I don't actually know the answer. So, yeah, let's talk about MacGuffins, though, because I think this is like one of my favorite MacGuffins. The yeah, suitcase? this one's kind of classic. The case? Yeah. I think it's, yeah. Just, it's just the perfect MacGuffin because yeah. nobody knows what is in it. Yeah. It's just people are chasing after it and we don't really know why. And it's really not part of the thread like not at all i don't think it matters to the uh I kinda, boxing story as a, as a like as an adult i read it differently now than i used to like you know when you're a kid and you're worried about what's actually in it like obviously that doesn't matter now i read like the MacGuffin not mattering as almost a commentary on movies themselves mm. no i agree you know, i think it's meant to be that yeah yeah like like and the way that this movie story unfolds it kind of came on the scene it was like oh by the way movies can be this yes yeah and it was like the MacGuffin doesn't matter, yeah. and it never did. <laughs> and think it was there's about something the, there, no, Bob. right? And it's about the journey, not about the destination. Yeah. MacGuffin's about a destination. You know, I think right. this movie's constantly reminding you it's a movie and yeah. commenting yeah. on the fact that it's a movie yeah. and how I, awesome of a movie it is. Yeah. <laughs> almost right. teaching you about movies in the process. Right. Of movie. I mean, even Jack Rabbit Slims and stuff like that yeah. is about movies. It's about right. movies. Um, so everything's it's a, the it's whole a thing. segment about movies yeah. in a movie. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then jo- the wolf says, uh, just because you have character doesn't, doesn't just because you have character doesn't mean you are a character. Right. Like, yeah. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's a self-aware nature to it. Yeah. And also it works like really well. And it's also like anti movie while being completely pro movie. <laughs> it's just like it's hard it's to describe awesome. even to this day. Yeah. You know? But that's with the briefcase as a MacGuffin. It's yeah. almost the definition. Like if somebody said what's a MacGuffin, I'd say the but, pulp fiction briefcase. Exactly. And I think is there a stroke of genius there because of the six six six? Because it adds like this element what is it? that people is have it debated for yeah marcellus's Still soul with, yeah <laughs> marcellus's soul he's satan there's a whole bunch yeah. of theories that are Evil. insane they're just I, like nuts i have this weird theory that in quentin tarantino's 10th movie it'll finally show up again ah! and he'll reveal what's in there the last shot star of his last Trek? movie <laughs> star Trek. they'll find it on they find planet. it they find the briefcase <laughs> it was all worth it then <laughs> <laughs> it's all worth it. What was it Vigers inside? It was yeah, it's Vigers. They used the MacGuffin to like reverse time in Star <laughs> yeah, Trek. <laughs> oh my god! But I mean, like giving it the six 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 code gives it like some air of importance. Yeah, that we know it doesn't have. It assigns meaning that isn't there. that isn't there, and it's yeah. like that. It's saying something. It's great. I, I don't know what it's saying either. Right. I think what you said debated. that a, Mac- a movie can be this because we're going to pop a MacGuffin in here and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're it right. matters to the characters, but it doesn't matter to the story. Movies were yeah. never about MacGuffins. These, these objects. Right. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. good. Right. It's, it is your perfect MacGuffin because like we've talked about in Avengers, MacGuffin and in even Godzilla, MacGuffins that actually do shit. Yeah. And this one, it, 
Doesn't do anything. I, I think the purest, it's, the purest yeah, definition just, of a MacGuffin is something that doesn't do anything and it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. You know, it does. It, that's so like a lot of times I'll uh-huh. use like the Lost Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. Technically, I'm not sure that a purist would be Isn't like, MacGuffin a George Lucas word too? It's a Hitchcock. It's Hitchcock's, Hitchcock's word. Um, right. But I think a yeah. purist Oops. would be like, if I, if, <laughs> same thing, you know, yeah. Hitchcock, right. Lucas. Lucas. Uh, but the, if I said, if I, if I, <laughs> big a purist might slap me down and say, no, the Ark of the Covenant isn't MacGuffin because we know it does something. We know what it is. But the briefcase is the perfect example because we have no idea why it's important or what yeah. they want to do with it. We don't even know what it does. Yeah. Yeah. So I, th- I think it's <laughs> I love the perfect that. Yeah. But they're willing to murder people for it. Yeah. Yeah. We're a goober, as Spider-Man likes to call it, right? A it goober. goober, yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, and the briefcase, it seems like it's... It's driven like by the, the movie seems to be driven by greed, but yet Vincent, when he he doesn't care about what's in it, he's <laughs> no. just like, yeah, cool, we got it, we got good. it, yeah, that's, the thing. <laughs> that's like a like he's not. There's like the heavenly light shining on his face, and he's like completely like he's so whatever. disinterested. Right. So it's like this dissonant like, okay, it's amazing, <laughs> but also apparently it's whatever. I yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. MacGuffins. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's the only MacGuffin in the movie, too, right? Yeah. Like, that's well, it. I guess the watch. The watch, watch counts as a MacGuffin, but that's it has meaning. Yeah. That's character in that's that. That's the thing. But the weird thing about the, the but only one person is after the MacGuffin. Yeah. Many people are trying to get the briefcase. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Heroes and villains are trying to get the briefcase. Villains aren't trying to get the watch. Just Butch. Just Butch. Just Butch. Yeah. Right. Well, there's something we talked about on a past episode I thought would be a good relevant topic here, which Jamie brought up, which was the off-screen movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I forget what what episode that was where we talked about that. We talked about, about that. it a bunch. There's a bunch yeah. of episodes. I think you brought it up first with uh, Avengers. Yeah. And what was the concept yeah. of that? So the idea is it's a Terry Rossio thing I read. If you go to wordplayer.com, there's a whole article about the off-screen movie. And his theory is that great movies, if you look at them, there's a great movie going on off screen as well as on screen. So the simple example of that would be something like the road warrior or something. Mm-hmm. We see one movie on screen, but the whole time there's this whole war for gas going on all around them or a war movie in general or something like yeah. that. Um, so that that's generally the idea of an off screen movie. And that, that's a litmus test for your idea that I, I think so. Cause I think maybe there's some, I don't know, atmospheric tension in there or yes, something. Some you know, there's, there's other like a, it's almost like here, world building, now? but you're, Intimate story with a world building premise. Yeah. Right. I yeah. think it, I think if like, you got like a good the first why purge here, why movie, now that maybe? that's built in. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I think also like in this in this case, it could also mean like what the other characters are doing while your character's yeah. doing something, you know, and that kind of off screen stuff. The the scenes you leave out. Are right. they are they interesting? Because I think they give momentum to the scenes. They give yeah, some tension. You're thinking to the about scene. them. And you're right, Bob. I mean, you're thinking about all this. Sort yeah, of that was stuff. kind of my contribution to yeah, the outline this time because I was like, I was like th- this. Very few movies feel like everything's happening at once. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think Pulp Fiction absolutely does. Yeah, you know, it feels like all the characters are in constant and motion, the char- even yeah, when not the seeing. ones you don't see. Like, what's Marcellus Wallace doing right now? Right. Like, what's yeah, definitely. It's like a constant, active menagerie <laughs> crime <laughs> the happening. World. Yeah, right. The crime world. Yeah, you think about what's yeah. the wolf? What else did the wolf do today? I guess well, my what question other is: What is he cleaning up in in the, in an hour? My question for us is: Is why does it feel like that? How is that being accomplished? Because mm. I don't know if I can answer that question. I think that's in the 
Oof, that's in the world building. I, oof, that's a good question. How do you? How's, how's that instructive? How? Yeah. How? How does he achieve that? They they mm. achieve it. Sorry, sorry, Roger Avery. <laughs> how do they achieve? How do that? they achieve it? Yeah. yeah. It's a good. It's a good question. I just don't. I don't have an answer. I've been I th- thinking I mean, about it. I think it. from the very start, when you when you meet those two, the 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 couple, like the at a, at a diner time, you're already about asking bank, You're already like this. This is a a side of criminal life I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Just hanging out, deciding whether what the merits of of robbing a bank or robbing a diner, and then every scene from then on it. Continues that stuff. They're put into the. Yeah, I mean, they're just it, driving down the street. Like, look at, look at Tony Rocky Horror getting thrown out the window. That's part of the off off screen movie. It is you know, yeah. things like that, or or well, just inherent. In this. Maybe it's Tarantino's. I mean, he does this in all of his movies, but his inherent knack or lack of exposition. The characters talk mm-hmm. about anything but exposition. They'll talk about themselves. They'll talk, you know, things that define them, things that don't matter. Yeah, but they don't talk about what's going on. That, <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? true <laughs> and for some reason that adds to this th- yeah because you're feeling grasping for the for the purpose of well, the, the scene <laughs> exposition usually takes you out of a movie mm-hmm. yeah it, it reminds bad you you're watching exposition. a movie in the worst bad way yeah, yeah bad exposition reminds you you're watching a movie in the worst way mm-hmm. he re- he like removes all of it and then puts it in like it puts in character mm-hmm. completely yeah, the lack it of, makes you feel like you're watching something more information. real information yeah yeah keeps you asking questions yeah. every you're moment asking questions right. usually the solution would be to throw a character in there who asks questions mm-hmm. to answer for us but the audience but the lack of now. anyone asking questions Makes us ask all the questions. That's you don't well, get any, yeah. like when you say you do punch-ups, you don't get the guy going, but why are we doing this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, the no, the studio notes. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, the studio <laughs> notes would have Jules and uh, probably have Jules and um, and Vincent while they're driving while they're uh, while (laughs) while they're driving to uh and having the royale with cheese talking about okay we're gonna go to marvin's and we're gonna do this and we're gonna we're gonna here's our goal instead of talking about instead of just talking about the royale cheese so we're asking what's their goal where what's the where are they going you know it's like the lack of establishing goals and stakes i mean they are established but they we, have them yeah they have them and they but are established but it takes a long time to, to get to, to know. learn them yeah that's right. interesting right but we but yeah. we don't find them out yeah for later until later so the assumption is that there is something going on in the viewer's mind i guess yeah. and that makes it feel like there's who a, are they doing this for mm-hmm. yeah that yeah. adds to that whole movie there's other movies Marcellus i don't know Wallace. Yeah, who's right. that yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I guess that's. Yeah. That, that makes sense. I think it's the an fact that no one's asking and, questions is yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Some sort of. I never thought of it that way. How not to write exposition? Uh, that, don't yeah. write it sometimes. That's interesting. I don't want to say that for your clients, Jimmy. No. But, I, but yeah. <laughs> if I ever get, I mean, not to knock my clients, I got a lot of talented clients. Sure. Yeah. But I, if I ever had a Tarantino, they don't. A Tarantino doesn't need my notes, man. Like. <laughs> Right, and, and that's yeah. I'm never gonna have somebody come in and and not have exposition and it work. But yeah, <laughs> right, right, and, right. Honestly, it's um, they wouldn't even they be hiring they you if they were me. right. I yeah. I see a lot of screenplays that would start out with the two guys in a car talking over the mission and establishing in a very on the nose way who they are, what they are, why they're here, before you get to that scene, and yeah. it's not very gripping. Yeah. You know, for your first scenes. Your first yeah. scenes in your screenplay really all have to be these kind of great gripping, grab them by the throat kind of scenes. Yeah. And 
Do, on if, paper, though, is this? Oh, there's lots of rooting influencers. <laughs> it's about rooting interest. Yeah. It creates rooting interest. They're fascinating characters. They're talking about something like in a scene. They're clearly, we understand that they're, we kind of understand they're criminals. Mm-hmm. just by seeing the previous scene with criminals somehow right. we know they're criminals even though it hasn't told us they're criminals and we're like okay we're just seeing two criminals like talk about nothing in the like it's, it's, it's our ordinary day no one's yeah. and no one says hitman yeah no. ever ever like you know what i mean no one ever yeah. says like honestly it feels like a cop show where two cops would be. you know two yeah. cops would yeah. kind of talk about this together it's almost a dragnet yeah dragnet there, kind of thing yeah like, it, we're back together. We're partners. We yeah, gotta talk about it's the stuff very dragnet. Yeah, yeah. And then of, even of, my, my one of my favorite things that he says is when he goes up there and says, "Okay, game faces." You yeah, know? And it's like yeah, it's like time to time to yeah. put on the, and, the yeah. Axe. And there's that moment uh, which I always love, which I've never read the script of Pulp Fiction, but I hope it's in there where he goes, "Let's hang back for a second. It's not time yet." Yeah, that's yeah. great. Uh, and like, yeah. and in that moment, the first time I watched, I was like, "Not time for what?" <laughs> right. Yeah. And why is you're, it not time yet? Desperate yeah. to know. Right. That's he doesn't so even look at his watch either. He's just like, it's not time. <laughs> that's <yet."> so <laughs> not classical. That's so not arc plot. Right. Writing that way, that's right. not arc plot writing at all. So that's interesting. Yeah. Because arc know. plot would be like, we got to get in there. Like, how much time do we have? And I, that would, yeah, interesting. I never thought about it like that. Yeah. It's it's, it's something I didn't have an answer for. So Lack of orientation is actually works in this favor which is not like something i don't want to i would say don't be no don't do bad instruction so here's what's interesting about i mean we haven't talked about this like so much of what makes this work is the intangible writer's voice you know it's like it can't be taught like so much of why this works is quentin tarantino and roger avery's voice and style and that's not something that's like really instructive. They can't be talking. That's like a huge part of the recipe for why all some this people works. just have magic. Yes, yeah, the magic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I always, I always think breaking rules isn't going to ruin you. It's just a bigger risk. That's yeah. what I always say. So, like, I've had students. You know, I'll, I'll teach. Like, hey, dialogue. The purpose of dialogue is it's an action. So, so think of the character's goal. They're trying to achieve an action. Yep. How do they do it? One of the ways they do it is with dialogue. That's that'll help you write scenes. So you don't write scenes that are just meandering. Hey, how's the day going? But then Tarantino yeah. writes meandering scenes. So right. I always get I always get a student that raises <laughs> yeah. their hand and says, "Hey, what about Quentin Tarantino? It seems like that's all he does." And it, it, that's not exactly true, by the way. But no, it's not. It's not. It's you can see in this Royale with cheese. Do we really need to talk about a Royale with cheese? Um, yeah, you know this kind of stuff. And the reality is. I love those scenes, but it's just taking a risk because I think if I hand those tools to you, student in my class, you're probably going to write a scene. Hey, how's the weather? It's great. Yeah. <laughs> what are you, you going to eat? Scrambled eggs. And, it, it, you know, that's the risk. Yeah. So there's a risk. Yeah. A great example outside of Tarantino I could think of is like Cabin in the Woods. Interesting. Cabin in the Woods is a movie that opens with two guys talking about installing <laughs> cabinets in their kitchen <laughs> and then title screen. Yeah. And it's yeah. a horror movie. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and I'd say Josh Whedon is yeah. another guy that would yeah. pull that stuff Probably. up. But see, yeah. I'm saying other people have done it. He yeah, does properly. the same thing that Quentin Tarantino does. So I get, I get the, I get the hands raised mm-hmm. too all the time. Um, but, main, but, mainly but, on Twitters. Maybe mainly if I'm frustrated right. and share. Usually I'll only share like what I think is a valuable. It's uh, it's a master clause to all lessons. 
Yeah. If you're not a master, here's the lesson. You, that, right. You've yeah. said that before, and that's so good. But you can't yeah. tell that to a person who wants to hear your they, thoughts on They hope they're a master, work. right? Yeah. Every, but, everybody does think they're a master. No, I that know. does this stuff. I but, don't. like, so, any, so <laughs> like, <laughs> his non-events, like, yeah, it's a non-event because nothing really consequential happens. But they're setups. The Royale with Cheese is a setup because that Marvin, that Brett scene is not as tense or entertaining or emotionally satisfying without the setup of the Royale with cheese. If he comes in and he's like, Hey Brett, do you know what they call the thing? It's okay. It's an okay joke. And the metric system is kind of okay, but it works because that whole scene was just there to set up him throwing it in Brett's face. And then suddenly there's more tension in the scene because he's like, check out the brains on Brett. Brett. Yeah. Yeah. also, it undercuts their kind of machismo factor. Absolutely. You know, so we we know these guys; they're kind of likable. We know this is a little bit of an act that they yeah, do. This exactly. is their job. They're kind of goofballs, kind of and that's part of the dynamic <laughs> of the scene. Yeah. Yeah. And they also really love cheeseburger knowledge. Yeah. So, the big yeah, exactly. so it's like, oh <laughs> shit! They're they're. It's almost right. like they're like excited about it as much as we are. Like. Burgers are here. They're going to talk about burgers again. And we just loved how much they talked. But I, I, I think there's multiple scenes. The the Uncomfortable Silence is a perfect example. That's not that's a non-event scene where they're talking about how you really know somebody is if they can share Uncomfortable Silence. But right. it's a dialogue set up to make something later happen more meaningful and more right. resonant. The, the big, so it does have purpose. The big Kahuna burger it scene. It speaks the character yeah. way yeah. more than people give it credit. The, yeah. the big Kahuna burger scene is a good example. That is an action scene. That's people trying to achieve a goal using dialogue, but they're not doing it on the news. Right. He doesn't just come in and say, where's the suitcase or something. <laughs> he's, he comes in and he's so putting on this character to scare the people. Like, yeah. I'm going to be this crazy yeah, character. If anything, it's I almost read it as like a superhero scene. Yeah. He's putting on his Batman face yes. to scare and he them. Says it. He, yeah. I can't remember the, the role. It's face. like assume the role, I think mm-hmm. it is. Something yeah. like, yeah. 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 All right. Why <laughs> else? And I mean, that's just like the mark of him, but why Why do the whole Marcellus Wallace joke? Yeah. Why even bother with any yeah. of it? There's no, no reason. It's, it's what only his character does to get right. what he wants. D- yeah. Does he look yeah. like a bitch? You don't need to say all that. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and that's that could have the- shot those two guys dead. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, so, and it's yeah. done. Yeah. And the scene on paper it, it has the same start and end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But it's not nearly as yeah. gripping. Yeah. And it you doesn't take have out, tension. And you take out the Royale with cheese setup. It's yeah. Cool. And th- you know, there's that one kind of rule, everything's set up or payoff. So if Absolutely. nothing else, if you're seen as no other purpose, at least try to make it a setup yeah, or something. Yeah, if it's a non-event, if there's something in there that plants yeah. the seed for later. Yeah, yeah. and and the, the those scenes plant the scene for Tony Rocky Horror. They yeah. kind of introduce you to the characters. They give you a feel for their non-hitman dynamic. So it makes the scene much more interesting than if it was just two mean guys coming in the room and scaring people. And the, exactly. you know, So all those things are there. And if you're still going to break rules and think, oh, well, I can talk about anything in the <laughs> diner scene, just know there's an inherent risk there. That's all. It's not It's not that you're going to fail, but there's a better chance you're going to fail. <laughs> That's what I'd say. Uh, oh, I like that. Yeah. It's not that. It's a proceed with caution. It's a proceed with caution. That's all. Yeah. It, Pulp Fiction is not the type of thing you write from reading a book, right? Sure. Like you don't read a bunch of screenwriting books and you come out. <laughs> uh, yeah, of... the people who are writing something like that are probably way less interested in what Blake Snyder has, has to say. say. Yeah, or right. what we have to say. Yeah, <laughs> There's no. probably people listening to, fuck you guys. 
Um, but even though we're praising Pulp Fiction, you know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. yeah, we're not sitting here bashing it. Yeah. I feel like now is a good. It's not on the paper. It's yes. not on the list. And I totally forgot to add this. I feel like we we have to talk about this. Talk about it. Format. Mm-hmm. Format. Okay. So the first three screenplays I read were I read some amateur screenplays from friends. That's a whole other story. But the first professional screenplays I ever read in the nine in like 1999 when I was learning this. Um, were Pulp Fiction, American Beauty, and What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Those are all three heralded scripts, two of them Oscar-winning. None of them, most, almost everything on the page is like technically not right. <laughs> technically not how you're, how the, the quote-unquote rules of screenwriting. And I never went for 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 the first year i never went to a class i didn't read robert mckee's story i just read scripts Mm -hmm. i read like 50 scripts before i ever read a screenwriting book i read like 50 scripts and i spent like five years unlearning all the lessons i took out of the quentin tarantino script like because he has tracking shots we're gonna put this song in it blah blah he does all the things that that you know the quote unquote gatekeepers say not to do and i think it's instructive in two ways it's instructive in that he won an oscar right but it's also right right right. what bad format right it doesn't matter right and what's eating gilbert grape won a bunch of awards does it what's eating gilbert grape doesn't even even have scene headings Mm -hmm. like it's the weirdest script oh my god dude it's so weird it has them on occasion (laughs) (laughs) and um it's like what's eating gilbert grape is the script that teachers use to kind of show that format has its values and also can be played with um but an american beauty like does the same thing it's like it's close up on this it's a shooting script these are shooting scripts and that and that's not what the average writer is writing right 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 but then there's the argument that's out there that your job as a writer is also to pose as a director and i just think people need to understand that like you can do all this stuff but and 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 how i try to teach clients is I don't care what you do. My taste, I, I'm, I, I read, I, I learned from Quentin Tarantino. You know what I mean? This is how I learned. You, you write the songs in. You write the camera angles. Right, right, you write right, everything. Right. Yeah. But my job is to make people aware and prepare them for like the battleground, which is the battleground is like the people on the on the chain, Jamie. Right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. there's someone, an actor somewhere, or a reader for a producer. Or, right. or someone on the chain who is the one person standing in the way of your script getting past them, they have these snooty ideas of what mm-hmm. what can and can't be done. And everything Tarantino does in the script, they'd be like, fuck that guy. So, <laughs> so, so you're saying this has been a roadblock for learning for that For, for many people. Many wow, people have taken Pulp Fiction's lessons and put it in their scripts and then failed just because of that. There, There, there is... I, I, I'm of two minds of this. So I, I really am of two minds. Because if you read a lot of recent spec screenplays, um, and I advise people who want to write screenplays to read recent, recent specs new, and new. spec ones. Spec ones. But the, you'll see that the ones that make it, they do have this style, like they know what they're doing and they don't give a shit about everybody else. Mm-hmm. And they sort of approach it that way. The way Tarantino kind of does. Like he's like a man who calls his scripts literature. Yeah. Like 
Yeah, I'm the one. Yeah, I'm the does, one who so, just. Yeah. And I almost don't want to. It's almost scary to say because just like the other thing I said, do it at your own risk. It's a proceed with caution. Absolutely. However, oh I my think God. I think at some point you're going to need to build to that swagger. You're going to have to get to the point where you know it all and you got the swagger and you're like, you don't tell me how to write a script. I know how to write a script. Yeah. But the way to get there isn't just to start there and say, <laughs> I know how to write this. This is the problem I have. Most people just start. Nobody can tell me. Anybody tell Quentin Tarantino write how to write a script? Write whatever you want. I, all I'm advocating is do, do the study. Look at the recent spec scripts. Look at the old ones. Write a few scripts that use the rules. Then start to develop your own swagger. Yeah. <laughs> Don't just break out the gate and say, I'm not going to use scene headings. I'm yeah. not going to do this. Nobody cares. And this is specifically if you're trying to sell. Absolutely. 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 It, who cares? I always want to. Re- I know. I always if you're shooting, shooting it, right? Cares. The fuck? What yeah. yeah. Like if I write a script for myself, it's a mess. R- I don't care. Write it. I, yeah. Write it in Excel. So I, I got a question. Write it on fucking legal yeah, pads. Who cares? Yeah. So I, I get used a to lot. Write <laughs> shot nice to do my. That's yeah. 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 So I get a question. I I'm bringing this up because I think it's important to talk about. But no, I think it's good because Tarantino is known for the script. Yes. The actual form. He writes 170 page scripts. Right. Right. You you put. If a reader is getting a 170-page script, they're going to groan and hate it before they've opened a single a single page. The Hateful Eight was almost just a published script. Oh, my God. Right. That but was almost what that was. He can do whatever he wants. Um, <laughs> well, he we can. know that. Right, so, yeah. so, so uh, for instance, I got – I can't remember if there's songs in, in Pulp Fiction. I feel like there are. Probably. Um, what do you mean songs? Songs actually specified. I know, like, George Lucas in American Graffiti, every single scene heading has a song. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I never discourage. So I get I, I have the most things that people ask me about our format. Yeah. People, yep. random strangers send me twi- tweets about format. Mm-hmm. So I have I talk about this a lot and I always say the same thing. Like, look, you can do whatever you want. But if you do that, understand that there are people somewhere on the chain who are going to let that distract from your story. Right, so for instance, the song. Who cares what songs it? If that sets the mood, but you have to know two things. Some people are gonna be like, "Fuck this writer who puts a song and thinks that they're that they're like powerful enough that that song's gonna keep." Number two, if it is an awesome script, it may cost seventy thousand dollars to license the rights for that song, mm-hmm. and the director may even be like, "Dude, this song is perfect for the mood, but we can't." There's no way we were ever going to get a million dollars. We're not going to get seventy thousand dollars. We don't have the Stranger Things budget. Song. So my question is: Is it <clears throat> is it necessary then? What is the point? The, the um. So I, and I've heard screenwriters debate the song thing, and most of them fall on the side of. Uh, I do songs all the time. Write them, put them in. But I actually personally fall in the um in the category you said. Like I'm usually cautious about it, and the reason is because I think it can take when I read it and I see the song, it takes me out of the read a little bit. I'm like. Okay, that's interesting. They put a song in, and I think right. about that for a second, and then yeah, I go play music in your head. Yeah, and then I'm like, well, pause it, or right. if you don't know the song, yeah. Right. And I, mm. uh, <laughs> yeah, right. cool, dude. I, I remember I read one script recently where somebody put a song in there by some group, and I had never heard of it, and I read through the script, and then I asked them a question about it, and they said, "Oh, that's a that's a band that's in that world." <laughs> oh, it's I'm just like, a band what? in the world. Yeah, I'm like, why did you put it in there? I, you know, what was so. I supposed to get out of that? So it was like, you know, <laughs> it makes it me like want to read play, like musical uh, scripts. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, musical scripts is different. Yeah. It was like Baby Driver would be interesting. Right? <laughs> yeah. Baby Driver, I bet he puts them in. Yeah, they he have to. He put them they in. have to be. I mean, but he can also he's do Edgar what he writes. Yeah. Right. He's 
Edgar Wright, so it doesn't matter. And and I guess what I'm saying is, again, it's not my taste. I don't mind the song. I don't. I if it sets the mood, fucking awesome. And that's the argument. Does is it necessary or is it unnecessary? Is it so necessary that you will risk, like you said, Jamie, the risk that it's worth the risk of annoying certain people along the way who may just be like. Not even pay attention to the dialogue and the story going on. They're like, "What is this song on this yeah. page?" And there's another song. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a it's a symbolic of the whole thing. It's like um, if you're gonna choose to be like putting camera angles and and you're directing on the page. There's ways to direct on the page. That's a yeah. whole other podcast. There's ways to direct on the page where you don't even mention the camera, but you're directing in every fucking description is a shot. And just it's don't just let the, the way, filmmaker it's the way you phrase think it. you're telling them what to do. And also, it's, <laughs> right? it's another that, thing. Yeah. Like, how many directors ever pick up a, a script right. that's filled with camera angles and go to their DP and, like, we're going to use this wide <laughs> shot right here? No, it's irrelevant unless the director is writing the script themselves. And they... Then in that case, it all yeah. goes out the window because they're the bottom lines. It, no, you the got buck stops I, I, with them. That's what I was saying. It's, yeah. You're specifically but talking about questions. people who are trying to sell. Guys, I get these yeah. questions all the time. I just got a question yesterday about a song. Yeah. And what I told him is he was like, I got the rights for the song. I was like, that's great. Like, awesome. But I mean, it, do you need to put it? Are you going to direct it? And they said, no. And I said, well, if you're not going to direct it, you have the rights to the song. It's fine if it sets the mood for you. But. Number one, is that director going to know what that song is? Number two, gonna like it? are they going to like it? <laughs> Number three, are they going to keep it even if they like it, right? So it's like, what is what is the right. value? Th- there, there are two different types of things, too. There's some things like Tarantino may actually describe the soundtrack. I, I think, And I think that's what he does a lot. Yeah, yeah, I think I err more on the side, like if you're describing something like I actually wrote a song probably for the first time in a script like last year. I remember it was like it was just a dumb joke. It's like they're doing surgery and they put on smooth operator and in the that's... background or something. <laughs> but that, that's, that, that, See, uh, and look, it's impactful. Um, if you're writing right? a comedy script, that would it's work because it is a punchline. That, that's what I mean. Yeah, it, 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 there was a reason yeah. why and I that's said impactful. It. And if, right. they, if they don't get the rights to smooth operator, fine. You know, but something get like doctor, it. doctor or something. I don't know. Yeah, but you know, they anyway. The, so. You can. This is one of those things you can do if you have a good reason. Do it. Yeah. If not, think twice. Think maybe twice. skip it. Yeah. yeah. And the same goes with the camera angles. Jokes are probably a great reason to do it often. Jokes, because yeah, sure. the song's gonna be pertinent to the punchline. So for again, sure. it's not yeah. my personal taste. I just understand the tastes of the people out there because I've experienced it myself. I've written things in. I've used this example in a previous podcast. We had a, I had a, I'll give this, I've had this two, two, two of the most ridiculous things. I had a guy who was like a producer's reader Mm -hmm. and he was like, I love your script. It's awesome. I can't wait to give it to my producer. My producer doesn't like adverbs. So give me a draft without any adverbs. It's like, what? So I had, (laughs) we had to do a draft. With no ad, we had to go in and cut out adverbs. So we gave them a draft without adverbs. And my point is, like, these people exist. Yeah, like, no, I I recently had a producer that I never thought any of these things, adverbs, blah, 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 really mattered. Even though I, I teach them and I, that's how I write anyway. Yeah. But I did find a, a, you know, I had a producer not too long ago that was like, um, 
you know, it was something that bugged them. They they didn't like we see and things like yeah. that. Yeah. And they, they were really That's a stickler. That's what I'm talking about. And I'm not Mr. Crazy We See, but I've taken over the years. To, I'll, I'll throw it in if it helps describe something. But it's a this particular producer was like, it takes me out of the read. I'd rather it not there. And that was fine. I deleted it. So they do exist. It's not a myth that some people don't want to see that stuff or are bothered by it. Um, it's not a myth. I mean, yeah. this is a real producer. It wasn't. It was probably the first time I ever encountered that. Like that somebody was yeah. was giving me notes on the style thing. And I, it <laughs> took me aback at first. I was like, really? like, what does this have to do with the yeah. story? But that's right. the yeah, thing. They let the it distract. They're, well, they're right. trying to right. sell the script just like I am. And they have opinions on how to sell scripts just like yep. I do. And they so, know somebody else out there, some actor's representative is like going to see it first. They, and, they have more experience. This right. this producer has more experience with that than I do. So, so it's just that those are the examples I use. Like I, I had another one just like the adverb one is a different case. Where the person was like, yeah, I hate ellipsis, and you've got ellipsis all yeah, over the place. Uh, you yep. have to get rid of all the ellipsis before I'll even give it to this other person. Right. It's like, holy shit. So we had to give him a draft with no ellipsis. Like, we had to go through and just be like, all right, That's well, crazy. there's 17 ellipsis. Let's go delete it. It's the same exact script. It just looks a little different. <laughs> and now the person could possibly put uh, it up the chain. But, right, right, another right. Place yeah. where this, so that shit exists. Another place where this comes into play, like I had a, I had a script called When Stuffed Animals Attack. Okay? <laughs> it was kind of like um, Small Soldiers. And okay. somebody, I love it. Stuffed Animals. You tweeted about this. Yeah, yeah. The, it's, the it's, spec tweet thing. Yeah, it's, it's actually a little bit of an older script, but I've been looking at it. And the villain in it, is Teddy Ruxpin. And I, I, I don't have the rights to Teddy Ruxpin, but I write Teddy Ruxpin. It's yeah, a risk. But, I mean, most people are going to get, if we don't get Teddy Ruxpin, we'll, we'll just get name it. Like some, it. We'll name it Teddy Buxpin or whatever. <laughs> um, so, you know, anyway. Yeah, right, right. That's a the great same, example. The same you didn't kind have the of rights. thing comes into play. Yeah, man. I had a friend who made a um You put film. references at all. I mean, yeah. 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 I mean, this, this shit costs money. I have a friend who, in like 1990, I was like in just getting into this mm -hmm. is like in 2000 he made a short film and he got a b-side off of like green day's kerplunk like kerplunk it wasn't even like on kerplunk it was like a b-side for kerplunk before even they were big dookie i mean it was it, my point is it's not even one of their known songs right right, and right. it cost him sixteen thousand dollars to use and it was for like <clears throat> 10 seconds of it. it's like why did you do that but like Sixteen thousand dollars in like two th twenty years ago, yeah. and that's for a short film twenty years. And ago. that's those are the types of <laughs> those are the types yeah. of roadblocks when you make these choices like that and put them in there that are going to keep it from actually making it to the screen. Right. Like that. So the anyway. the moral of this is yes. Yes. If, if you read a Tarantino script, he is not the jumping off point for beginning Absolutely to learn not. How to write and a I, formatted script. Don't learn how to write screenplays by reading his scripts. Or because, master scripts, probably. Because you'll general, have to yeah. unlearn a lot of the stuff that you learn. And right. I had to do that for like five years. I was constantly doing the stuff. Oh, Tarantino. I was the guy. Uh -huh. Tarantino does this. 21-year-old me is like, fuck you, man. Tarantino, Tarantino does, does it. it. I'll do whatever the fuck I want. And then I heard all these critiques from the people on the chain that was like, well, Okay, then if this is going to keep me from moving forward, I'm going to have to change my strategy here. Right, right, right. And Jamie's in a position now where he can do what people, he doesn't, he already has that social proof, so to speak, that professional proof. Like, you don't have to impress people mm -hmm. with your format. See? And still, sometimes they ask Like for you it. said, yep. it's insane. But if they anyway. don't, do you go kind of buck wild? I tend to go buck wild. I, cause, but I stay within, you know, I, I don't do anything that's, 
I, I'm aware of the reader, so I'm not doing That's anything too crazy. And I, when I, awareness, do, when I make you know. choices, there's calculated reasons why I'm making choices. I fear sometimes when people make choices is because of out of ignorance or uh, they're new to it, exactly. and they're just like, but it stops them from learning the real reason, and yeah. they're not. So the, it's the intent's not always there. It's just like, who cares? Who cares? Uh, but in, and that's kind of a lazy position to be in. Yeah, I'm fine if you want to do something and you researched it and you figured it out and you came to your conclusion why you want to do it and you had the debates online. Yeah, and then you go do it. Go do it. Yeah, but just plus if it, it enhanced the material and it's necessary, right. like like your smooth operator. Yeah, example that's necessary. Right, enhances right. the material. Yeah. Just know what most of the time they don't though. Just, <laughs> right, right. They're just cool. There's like just cool or something. At the yeah. end of the day, just be thoughtful. Be mindful of the yeah. people who are going to read your yep. script. Especially if you're trying to become one yeah. of the 0.001% yeah. of humans that yeah. make right. it like that. Right. You know what I mean? Like you, you got to kind of follow well, the rules a little bit. It's the yep. comparison. Bill, Bill Martell uses the comparison uh, that 700 basketball players, 100,000 people are really good at playing basketball and 700 people get paid to play basketball. Mm -hmm. The same goes for yep. screenwriting. Hundred thousand people are the, some of the best writers in the world. A hundred thousand, but only like a thousand in the world get paid. Get the to pay do to it. do it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, we have. Do we have anything left to say about Pulp Fiction? <laughs> I thought it was a, no. The no, format, that's fine. His format. Yeah, is, that's fine. I'm just yeah. making sure we're done with Pulp Fiction. I think, yeah. I think we've we've covered a lot of what we wanted to say. Yeah. Yeah. It's and a hard one to break down, yeah. man. I think we yeah. broke it down way I more than I expected us to. Yeah. yeah. Shit. Yeah. Okay, you, you want to talk, did anybody learn anything? Uh, I learned <laughs> that, that doesn't have to do with format. <laughs> I learned Jamie's horror comedy comparison that a lot of the surprises and the guttural reactions to the thing, the violence that's happening on screen, that Pulp Fiction does kind of function like you're in the hands of a madman who's telling a horror story. The, the, I tell you where that really pays off for me. I remember just freaking out in the movie theater, like the whole audience was laughing and screaming. Is the needle scene? Yeah, the yeah, uh, yeah, needle yeah. to the heart. That scene was just so damn effective. Like they're and they're having little jokes. It, that's where it becomes a horror comedy. It's like they're trying. I'm not going to do it. You do it. You brought her here. I'm not going to. You know, and it's it's that kind of stuff. That, it was. It's a great funny yeah. scene. And it, it, it's all based on this underlying tension. There's this huge tension mm -hmm. there. So the jokes are like extra spicy. Yeah. Because of that tension. Right. Yeah. Right. That's what I love. Movies like that. So I love. I love comedy as a dark underpinning where where this huge tensions there and then you're layering jokes on top of it it's and that's what i love very honest yeah. yeah yeah i learned i liked the kind of theme we came up with i think it's, yeah yeah the um not not my theme the other one the jamie the, and the yeah, yeah all of us combined all the sort combined, of like the three yeah. of us came up with some stuff. the redemptive arc sam of, jackson yeah jules yeah you choose yeah, ryan to be right. the choose, choose the right thing you're gonna get freedom you leave crime you live you live. Yeah. Like, you choose to, you continue to choose the wrong, you, the morally wrong. You end righteous up like path. Vincent. It's the, the path of the, the righteous. The path of the righteous theme. How's that? Yeah. yeah. I, I really like that because I've never really thought about this movie in that way. Me neither. So, I don't know why. But, because well, it's just fun. You just sit down and just movie. enjoy yourself. You As don't... Quentin Tarantino's mother used to tell me. No. <laughs> That's so weird. That's so amazing. I love that, dude. <laughs> Jamie always throws out the most random. Yeah, we're, we're doing the It podcast. Oh yeah, he used to be my my manager. <laughs> Those two are kind of connected, though. They're, they're Gary Dauberman and yeah. So Gary Dauberman probably got some notes from Quentin Tarantino's mother. He probably knew her well. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, on that note, yeah. 
Uh, we have an email address. Yeah. If you have any questions, comments in general, writersblockbusterspodcast at gmail.com. That's everything, that I think, that. guys. That's everything. That's Pulp Fiction. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Thanks. You've just listened to Writers Blockbusters, a screenwriting podcast featuring two professionals and another guy. Available only on Thundergrunt.